Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. Hello there. Coming up on the podcast, Camera Sean from the Flamingo Vape Shop, which was robbed by a couple of really dumb bandits. Global News Weather Specialist Mike Conkin on Stormwatch south of the border. And Dr. Rob Grierson is part of our Uncorked series on the dark side of alcohol. Please rate the podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast. And now, the podcast. Now, uh, we were going to interview the person responsible for this viral video. Uh, He's not here, and we're hoping he shows up. We're hoping he just got delayed, but I want to tell you about it. I just put it out on my Twitter feed, at Hal Anderson. It's hilarious. You can find it as well at cjob.com, but I did put the link uh, on my Twitter feed, at Hal Anderson. And basically, this uh, vape shop, the Flamingo Vape Shop, gets robbed by two people, a man and a woman. And they've got the video up, and uh, the guy who was supposed to be here, his name is uh, Cam Roshan. He's the marketing manager at Flamingo Vape Shop, and he basically does a commentary. And so uh, I was going to run this ahead of the interview. Like I said, hopefully Cam shows up. But here is some of the highlights as far as I'm concerned from the video, and then I had to do it. I put the Keystone Cops music underneath it, right? I mean, these people are are idiots. Take a listen to a bit of the audio from the video. Now, first of all, what kind of idiot wears a high-visibility jacket to a robbery? Whatever happened to the classic all black? As you can see in this clip, this idiot was really hoping to find something behind her counter. He actually forgot that vape nut that he's holding before he left. I really don't understand what he was trying to find here, as the products are all on the other side of the store and right behind him. You can really tell this upset him. He childishly pushes the tester stand just to show it who's boss. This is one of my favorite parts. You can see he's holding the cord so he acknowledges that it's there, but he just keeps on yanking at the laptop expecting it just to go with him. It does take him a little while, but he finally figures out how to unplug a laptop. And after all that trouble he went through, he didn't even take the charger, so I don't really know what he expects to do with it. My favorite part about this was the fact that she was stealing empty boxes. The products are right there. Why would you steal the display box? They tried to steal our garbage can because I guess they forgot to bring a backpack. The man walks up to the glass display case and attempts to open it like it's a wooden crate. You have crowbars and a sledgehammer. Why not just smash the glass like he did everything else? He clearly doesn't understand how glass works as it ends up shattering all over him anyway. Now here's where some karma kicks in. She very poorly attempts to smash our display cases using a hammer in the wrong way. And as soon as she gives up, the glass decides to take revenge and she gets domed. I think it's hilarious when she breaks the garbage can and still attempts to put things inside of it. You can see her shoveling products right onto the floor and it takes her quite a while to realize. I'm really surprised to see that this door survived as her head's probably a lot thicker than that sledgehammer. We can really see that this woman is definitely not the sharpest tool in the shed and is more than likely gonna be the reason that they get caught. 
I'm telling you, that deserves a round of applause. That is a fantastic. A bit of the audio from this video that is going viral. The robbery of the Flamingo vape shop. And he is here, the marketing manager at Flamingo, Cam Roshan. Cam, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Great job, man. Fantastic. <laughs> you got a future in radio if you want it because you've got a great sense of humor. Did you come up with all of that yourself? Oh, yeah. I just had to do it almost on the spot just because it was very time, very, very time sensitive. So. Yeah. Definitely so, a bit stressful, but... <laughs> when you guys got in and you realized, man, we've been broken into, and you know you've got the security cameras, and you're watching this video in real time the first time, that must have been your first reaction. These people are idiots. Honestly, at the first reaction, they were just you know yelling and screaming at the police to get over there, and they were just too busy trying to ask us questions, but... Yeah, it was mainly when we watched back and just realized how stupid everything that they did was. So <laughs> You've got a great sense of humor. Uh, Cam, po- Cam Poitras, the other Cam here, uh, my producer, is going to turn his microphone on. We want to share with you, so- and the comments <laughs> from people that watch the video are fantastic. Cam, give us a few okay. comments on the video. These, these are some of my uh, favorites here. Um, it's like they were pretending to rob the place. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I always wonder who says to themselves, we're going to do a commercial B&E at night. Better put on a giant yellow jacket for max visibility. <laughs> Idiots. Uh, soon to be in custody, Mr. and Mrs. Lex Luthor. I didn't see that one. And, uh, <laughs> this one was my favorite. Uh, increased security. What are you going to do against these criminal masterminds? Nails on greasy stairs. A lamp that drops in on iron. Blowtorch on the door. <laughs> Home Alone style. So. Fantastic. Love that one. Cam, Cam saw the video and he says, hey, have you seen the video? And at that point, I had not seen the video. It is a fantastic job you've done here, Cam. Thank you. And when you think about it, I don't know if this was part of your uh, you know, vision here, but when you think about it, by doing what you've done to the video, so many more people now are going to see it. And I would say you've increased your chances of having these people caught. Honestly, that's what I believe, and it's actually going international. We were seeing people in Amsterdam viewing it across the states. I've been getting messages from people in Chicago even because uh, it actually ended up on World Star Hip Hop. It has over 200,000 views now on there. Wow. How many views total now do you have on this video? Is there any way to know total? What's uh, It was was almost 80,000 on YouTube. I'm just going to see if I can type in... um, YouTube real quick, and I just want to see how many it's uh, got right now. Yeah, because YouTube is actually slow at updating it. So when it was saying we had 4,000 views on the video, we're actually at like 15,000. Yeah. And last time I checked, we were at around 85,000 83,622. 83,600 and uh, something's, uh, you got a computer turned on in there, Cam. Uh, oh, I do. That's, duh, what an idiot. <laughs> I, had my, I had my button turned on as soon as I fired up the, the YouTube here. Thanks, Cam. <laughs> Looking to blame him, and it's my fault. Yeah, 83,622, but as you said, other websites will, will take it, and then and they all have tons of views. Oh, yeah, because on Worldstar, last time I checked was at, I want to say, like around 160,000, so... I, I that just was this morning. I just got the latest, 195,000 oh. on uh, World Star right now. So. Wow, good oh for you. God, good for you. That's that's <laughs> fantastic because you really you thought this through. You've got a great sense of humor, and you did a, you. you did a great job on it. Um, I will uh, um, say this. What did you call the woman? Because they're both. Uh, let's say they're portly. Both the <laughs> both robbers, both bandits are portly. Uh, but the woman is. Uh, is she, what did you call her? Knee knocker or. 
Oh, see, this is the part that I don't get why everyone's laughing about it, because I said that she has knocked knees, which is a legitimate condition. It is. It is. So, but it's just, <laughs> I haven't heard that in many years. Like, that's something my grandfather would say. But the, the person's knees kind of turn in. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, their legs are bent in. It's right. Just, I thought it was called bow leg, but I was like, wait, that means they're outwards. They're out, yeah. What is it called it's, when it's, it's inwards? It's in. So, yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah, then everyone's making fun of that or laughing about it. I just it. haven't like, heard that term in many years, and that's why I put a <laughs> smile on my face. Cam, great job. Thanks for coming in and telling telling us about it. And will you do me a favor? Definitely. If uh, they do catch these two, will you tell us about it, please? Because we want to update the story. Oh, yeah, definitely. I'll make okay. sure to give you guys a call as soon as that happens. Excellent. Camaro Sean, marketing manager, Flamingo Vape Shop. And again, if you just, you know, go to YouTube and Google Vape. But what we've done for you is we have it at our website, cgob.com. You can see the story. Scroll down two or three below. And I put it on my Twitter feed, at Hal Anderson. Great job by both cams. Thank you very much. Speaking of the weather, global news weather specialist Mike Conkin. I think, uh, are you still in transit, Mike, or have you arrived in beautiful downtown Fargo? Oh, we aren't in beautiful downtown Fargo just yet. We are in beautiful Grand Forks, ah. North Dakota. So we're, we're, we're getting there. We are Good. racing the storm to see who can win in getting to Fargo, although I think we're going to come in. Just behind. Excellent. Well, listen, on your way back, grab me a carton of smokes and some bush beans, okay? Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate <laughs> it wouldn't, that. It wouldn't be a complete trip without it. <laughs> well, right. Exactly. Okay, so you're on your way to Fargo. That's uh, sort of where you're hoping to get to. I just read the forecast and the weather warning and the weather statement for us here in Winnipeg. What are we expecting out of this storm? Because the further south you go, boy, it's a doozy. Yeah, absolutely. So there's going to be quite a bit in the way of precipitation. The nice thing is, is that this is still part of what the National Service uh, was expecting as far as the amount of precipitation that is going to be showing up. What could throw things a little bit would just be the speed of the melting as there is a little bit more rain that's in there. We're starting to see some of those warmer temperatures creep towards the Fargo area, which we are uh, heading for. So they'll probably start to get some freezing rain some rain and then that will change into snow uh, as temperatures fall a little bit closer towards the afternoon and evening so yeah there's going to be quite a bit in the way of precipitation still looks like southeastern north dakota will likely see some of the highest snowfall totals with around 30 centimeters certainly possible and the winds are going to be brutal there uh, national weather service is expecting potentially wind gusts around 80 even 90 miles per hour for a few spots with this storm so that's why there's blizzard warnings in place so we're actually in grand forks there's not a snowflake uh out there right now it's fairly clouds overcast um but it's not terribly windy but there is a blizzard warning in place essentially once you get to the u.s border and carry on south and by the time you get it to fargo there's a weather advisory that is in place as well because of the mixed precipitation that's in there and we'll start seeing the snow here in winnipeg tonight at some point but obviously earlier for you down there in fargo yeah, for sure. So it's going to be starting up. We'll notice it this afternoon in Fargo. Um, but for the Winnipeg area, it'll be closer to midnight or probably even after that when the snow starts. And Winnipeg is kind of on the line as far as areas that start to get into the lower precipitation amount. So it's probably at this point looking like around two to five centimeters. But a number of models are starting to put that number just a little bit higher. So we're kind of we're kind of walking the line. We'll see some precipitation. Blowing snow will be a factor for us tomorrow because the winds in the Winnipeg area are still going to be quite strong. Guess around 70 kilometers an hour certainly look quite likely. Um, but south of the border here, Blizzard warnings, yes, they do. Uh, it is mostly a visibility issue. It's, this one will come with 
a lot in the way of snow, but it's visibility when it's less than 400 meters. Uh, that's when the blizzard warnings get put in or get put in place. So they are certainly expecting that south of the border. We even got warned by the uh, border crossing. We figure we're going to come back in a couple of days. He's like, eh, you might be staying longer if it uh, lives up to the hype that this storm is uh, going to be. So we'll see. It should be should be an interesting experience. And talk a little bit about southeast Manitoba and, uh, say, Steinbeck specifically, because the snowfall warning that I am reading here every time we do the forecast says up to 20 centimeters for them. You said the numbers might be varying a bit for Winnipeg. What about numbers for Steinbeck and the other uh, communities there in southeast Manitoba? Yeah, so around Turtle Mountain, Beset, Winnipeg, we're kind of on that line of the lower amounts, but the numbers will jump up as you get further southeast. So just like over the weekend, we saw a lot in the way of snowfall. Sprague had 15 centimeters uh, on Saturday. By the time you got to Winnipeg, as much as officially we did register some snow, it really wasn't a snowfall event. So once again, you're going to see a big jump in the numbers as you look further southeast. So yeah, those numbers around the Steinbeck area could be around 10, 15, 20 centimeters is possible. And then as you, as you continue to head further east, uh, you start to get a little bit more rain mixed in there. But it looks like it's going to be just straight snow around Manitoba. And I don't think I need to say this, but I'll say it. We care more about this big dump of snow down there because we know it's going to probably end up here in a, a river that is overflowing its banks in some areas. Yeah, that's right. So we're not hearing a whole lot in the way of Assiniboine River flooding. It's all Red River flooding. Right. So the, there's quite a, there have been a few storms that we have missed so far this winter that have stayed south of the border, and this is going to be one that we're not going to totally miss, but it's certainly going to have a much larger impact uh, as far as precipitation amounts south of the border. So, yeah, if there's hopefully the rain amounts stay lower because obviously that's going to help uh, the snow melt at a much quicker rate. Um, but yeah, this is going to be this is going to be a big one that uh, folks around here are potentially going to notice for some time. The National Weather Service called it historic or a potential historic blizzard. And it's going to be that heart attack snow, right? It's going to be real wet and real heavy, which really, the good thing out of this is with winds like we're expecting, maybe a a heavy snow is better than a a light, fluffy snow. Yeah, perhaps. uh, Hopefully the numbers just kind of stay a little bit lower in the the precipitation. Certainly the rain ends up staying a bit further towards the east as well, so we don't get... Uh, that quick melt started because temperatures even behind the system are going to be staying quite mild. So the the melt is kind of on for us here in around southern Manitoba, and we're noticing pretty similar conditions right now south of the border around the Grand Forks area. It looks very similar to what uh, Winnipeg is experiencing at this time. It's just a little bit more cloudy uh, a bit further south. Mike Conkin, travel safely, and I'm sure we will talk again. Sounds good. Talk to you later, Hal. All right, that is uh, Global News Weather Specialist Mike Conkin in Grand Forks on his way to Fargo. And if you missed it on Jeff Courier's show, he spoke with a flood expert. I'll play some of that audio back. And uh, this expert, Jay Doring at the uh, University of Manitoba, he's a civil engineering prof and a flood expert. He basically now says the province, when they came out with their flood forecast, was saying like 2011. Well, now Jay is saying mm, maybe more like 2009 now. So I'll play some of that audio for you. And I know a lot of you are fans of my weather expert buddy, Bruce Johnson. Bruce is going to join us right after the news at 3 o'clock. All right, so we'll hear from Bruce after the news at 3. And I've kind of been communicating with Bruce today. I'll just tell you the latest numbers he has. He figures 
We here in Winnipeg will get four to seven centimeters. Bruce, of course, is in Lancaster, Minnesota. He's figuring he's going to get 18 to 21. Grand Forks, where Mike Conkin is right now, Bruce's numbers show 23 to 26 centimeters. And in Fargo, where Mike is heading, a little less because the first part of the weather there is going to be in the form of rain. And so Bruce figures the snow total for Fargo is probably between 20 and 25 centimeters. And the wind, (laughs) Bruce has been checking out these high winds that are expected. He says, Hal, the highest wind I can find is in the Texas Panhandle where the wind could get to 120 kilometers an hour. Yikes! So we're on it. This is a big story, and when you you know take into account the impact here with possible flooding, it's a big story. All right, joining us now as our series continues here on CJOB, the medical director of the Winnipeg Fire Paramedic Service. He is also an ER doc. It's Dr. Rob Grierson. Dr. Rob, welcome to CJOB. Thank you. Thank you for doing this. Appreciate it. So you're the medical director of the Winnipeg Fire Paramedic Service. You're an ER doctor. Uh, We're talking about alcohol. Maybe give us a sense of how much of this you see in your job. Well, Hal, uh, again, thank you for having me. Um, I would say alcohol is a a pretty prevalent problem in both my positions. So in the uh, medical director world, I'm kind of responsible for the medical care that's provided by our firefighters and paramedics in the city. And I would say that the patients that they see are obviously the same patients that I'm going to see in the emergency department. Sure. So, I mean... Looking at what we would consider medical studies, there are a number of studies in pick journals and what have you. Um, you know, the statistics would say that up to 40% of patients that are admitted for medical or surgical conditions to a hospital such as the Health Sciences Centre, um, that condition relates to alcohol use in some capacity. 40% of all the people that that hospital would see on, somehow... on, on average. I mean, if you wow. took a snapshot in one day, yeah. it might be 20% sure. one day and then two weeks later it might be higher than that. Mm-hmm. Um, based on my own personal experience working at the Health Sciences Centre for 20 years, I would say that's a reasonably accurate number. Um, and when we say that, I mean, there's a wide range of effects that the alcohol can have. But that's, that is a realistic number. And we can talk about the effects of alcohol. I think a lot of people would be familiar with the effects, but maybe talk about some of the medical conditions that sure. you would see because of alcohol. And just one other kind of statistic, mm. which, you know, as a, as a medical director. And a sure, medical I get pr- it. Yep. We're, we're kind of into evidence. Mm. Um, if you look at uh, Center for Disease Control data from the United States from the mid-2000s, so about 2006 to 2010, Uh, In that group, one in 10 deaths among working age adults was due to excess alcohol use. Hmm. So 10% of deaths in working age adults related to excess alcohol use. Wow. And you know, one of the things we're doing with this series is, you know, we're, we're looking at obviously the lighter side of alcohol in the sense that it's a social uh, mm-hmm. thing and a lot of people do it and enjoy it. But boy, there's a real dark side here, isn't there? Well, it, well, it is. And I mean, everything has a range and a, a spectrum mm. of use. And while it is a light thing, you know, people, you'll you'll go to a hockey game or a football game and people will enjoy a couple of, you know, beverages on a, yeah. a hot afternoon, mm. th- there is that range, right? And, and it does get to a position where it becomes a risky behavior and it becomes more of a, less than of a social aspect and more of a sort of an ongoing addiction. And we hear a lot right now about the meth crisis, right? Sure. Compare alcohol and the problems you see out there 
compared to drugs like meth or, or other drugs. So so it's interesting. I'm often asked to compare that. And I mean, while, while they're both sort of intoxicants and they both impair an individual when they use them, the similarities are probably end there. Um, methamphetamine is like something we've never seen before. It's very unpredictable. It's not only unpredictable, you know, on an individual, but from individual to individual, it's very unpredictable. When someone uses methamphetamine, they can be a risk to themselves. They can obviously be a risk to others at times. And, and the use of that medication, there's a risk to the acute intoxication period. And then sometimes the after effects or the paranoia can go on for days. So the effect of that, you know, one use of methamphetamine can last significant time frames, which can impact many different people in the system, whether that's the healthcare system or the justice system. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, alcohol is, is predictable. If you consume alcohol, be it ethanol in any form, it, it is predictable in the way the body is going to metabolize it. It's predictable in the way the person's going to behave and it, and it is shorter lived. So basically, you know, an average person can consume alcohol and, and you can reasonably predict how fast a body is going to metabolize that alcohol and what the effects of that in the short term are. So when you think about the short term use of these different things, methamphetamine, completely unpredictable, high risk to some people. Um, alcohol, more predictable, maybe just as higher risk, but maybe more in the long term. Uh, the, the other thing I think it's important to look at is the prevalence of the two substances, we'll say. And, you know, while methamphetamine is definitely an issue and it's definitely a concern, and when somebody is involved in methamphetamine, it can be a crisis to that individual and to their family, and they can, you know, pose a risk to themselves and sometimes a risk to others, alcohol is far more, far more prevalent. And I mean, if we look at, I mean, without getting into hospital data, I mm -hmm. have some, some information from our experience at the Main Street Project where our paramedics work and see people who come in through the intoxicated person detention area. Right. And, and the ratio of people that we'd see coming into that facility for every 10 individuals that we would see where alcohol is the primary intoxicant, we would see about one individual that had used illicit drugs as the primary intoxicant. Sometimes they mix them. But that, that's roughly the ratio. It's about one to 10. Wow. Alcohol, 10 times as much a problem as all the illicit drugs. Based, based on our experience yeah. at the Main Street Project. Now, again, that is one snapshot of one population, but that, that's the ratio. And that must shock you, eh? Um, not, not really, actually. Because based, my other based, question based on is... my experience... Yeah. My, my other question yeah. is going to be, have we become numb to alcohol and uh, its effects on some people compared to, say, a person who's high on meth. I, I don't know if we've become numb, maybe. Maybe that is the terminology, but maybe maybe it's become more normalized, right? Because alcohol is, is more a, a socially accepted part of our culture. Um, illicit drug use is not. And so when, when people see, you know, the, the issues related to meth, I don't think everybody can relate to them to the same extent versus I think almost everybody or a lot more people in, in society can relate to alcohol use. And I mean, that's, that's in my sense, I think that's what it is. I mean, you know, um, when people, you know, uh, see these situations come up where someone has used methamphetamine and there's been a, a bad outcome, um, I don't think as many people relate to that as someone who's, you know, had a few drinks, so to speak, and then something else happens. Yeah. So imagine the cost on our healthcare system and on the fire and paramedic service in Winnipeg. I mean, yep. that's incredible. Yep, for sure. T to be honest with you, I'm maybe not the best person to talk about the absolute sure. cost. Yep. I mean, th the reality is we're there to, to help people. And, and regardless of what's, what's causing their need for help, we're going to be there.
Mm-hmm. Um, I think what we can be as, as a service is we can be more proactive in terms of how we manage these patients to some extent. So, you know, we're doing our best job we can at the Main Street Project to ensure that the people who come through who are intoxicated on various substances are cared for to the best extent to ensure that they're going to be safe and that they're going to, you know, for lack of a better term, um, survive that event and they're going to be, you know, offered other options. Let's talk solvents for a second. In preparing for this, you told me that while that was a real problem at one point, it's not so much anymore. Yeah. So if if you look at our statistics and if we just take a specific year, for example, so Mm -hmm. let's say I have data here for 2017 and this would be through the, the, the intake through the Main Street Project, our paramedics screening people that come in who are intoxicated. Right. In, in that year, there was a little over 8,600 individuals come through that had consumed potable alcohol. Potable alcohol being wine, spirits, or some form of alcohol that was intended to be consumed orally. There was about 1,400 that would have consumed non-potable alcohol. So that would be alcohol in the form of mouthwash or hand sanitizer or some other agent that actually contains ethanol. So it's kind of interesting. The actual ingredient or the intoxicating ingredient is ethanol. And whether it's in wine or beer or whether it's in hand sanitizer or mouthwash, the the actual ingredient is the same. Mm -hmm. Now, there's a whole bunch of other agents that are mixed with them that are not intended to be consumed. But so that's still potable alcohol and the, the body metabolizes that alcohol in the same fashion. In that same year, so remember, we had about 9,000 potable alcohol, about 1,400 non-potable alcohols. We only had 140 people on solvents, mm. which is reasonably low. We had 673 illicit drugs of some nature, which that would be the primary intoxicant. So they would come through and based on an assessment and an evaluation, their level of intoxication would be primarily related to some form of illegal drug. And then about 1,400 prescription medications. Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast, is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.